And welcome back to Coaching with the Bible. This is episode 120. That is correct. Do not adjust your sets or your listening stations. This is episode 120, season 3, episode 11. Portion of the week is the portion of Vayigash, the second to last portion in the book of Genesis. We are deep inside the story of Joseph and his brothers. We're about to have a revelation moment. Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, lets them know who he is. And our topic for the week is me versus we. Me versus we. It's an important topic like everything else we discuss here. But admittedly, it's not an easy one. Like a lot of the other topics that we discuss here. So here's the frame. How do we know when to put ourselves first, when to put others first? How do we know when it should be about me and when it should be when it should be about we? Me versus we, we versus me, all that other stuff. And it's not easy to figure out. And it's not necessarily natural for us to think about, quote unquote, the we before we start thinking about the me. So we grow up as you know, little children and as we're growing up, we are to a degree self-centered. We, when we're little kids, little, little kids, we play by our, we, we, we play near other people, other friends. We're actually playing by ourselves. It's our toys. These are my toys. It's my ball. I'm taking it home. It takes time. It's a learned practice to share. It's a learned practice to play with other children. It's a learned practice to, to enjoy that experience. But the smallest of children don't necessarily immediately understand or appreciate the idea of we. They know me. They know the principle of I. And when we use the different words in the English language, me, we, you, I, all those different terms, it's important that we appreciate what they mean and how they mean what they mean and in the context in which we use them. So if we're speaking to a large group and we want to be inclusive, we'll use the term we. If we want to show an example, we'll talk about I or me. But we don't want to overindulge or overuse language or stories or content about ourselves, me and I. People is interest. It's self-centered. It's shining a light on ourselves as opposed to on everybody else that's around us. It's very hard to do, to get into that we state on a regular basis. First time I ever spoke about this subject in public was 20 or so years ago. Yeah. That's about right. 20 years ago, maybe even more, maybe 21 years ago, I was applying for my first rabbinic position in Los Angeles. And my sermon on Saturday morning, on Shabbat morning, was about this subject, me versus we. As a concept, it's a 
look around in a lot of companies, it's company value for a lot of companies, not me versus we, but me is we and we is me. The notion of putting team first, which is effectively what this is about, putting self first, putting team first. And so at the time I spoke about the idea of Joseph in the portion, I think it was actually next week's portion, but they were related. And the idea that when Joseph is reunited with his father, I may have mentioned this over the last two years in Coaching with the Bible or, or some other class on the subject, that Joseph is never again alone with his father. As much as he is desirous of having the relationship and reconnecting with his father, he never, never, at least what we see in the Bible, is alone with his father. And in all the years that he leads in Egypt, he never sends an email to his family or a WhatsApp message to his father, to his brothers, to his family to let them know that he's alive. And there's a lot of reasons why that would be. But once they're reunited, like that's everything it's been about is getting back together, he's he avoids that sort of moment of being alone. And so one of the commentaries, I think it is Nachmanides, Rabbi Moshe ben Nachman, known in Hebrew as Ramban. I believe he comments that Joseph being alone with Jacob would have warranted the question of where have you been, what happened to you, and Joseph having to answer truthfully about what had happened to him. And that's not something he was willing to share. Because if he shares it, he destroys the we for the sake of the me. And so he sublimates himself and his own desires to be with his father for the sake and the benefit of the collective, of the family, of the team. He puts them first. He puts himself second. It's amazingly powerful. He's not alone, actually, in doing that this week's portion. Judah does it as well at the beginning when he's willing to trade his own life for the sake of his brother, for the sake of the well-being of his father as well. He's putting the we before the me. He's putting the team before the self. It's powerful business, powerful stuff, super important idea. Now, where does Joseph get it from? Joseph seems to get this idea, living this way from his own mother, that his own mother, the love of Jacob's life, is ultimately the second of the women that he marries, Leah being the first, and that according to the Midrashic literature, Rachel prepares Leah for the wedding by giving her over the signs that she and Jacob had during their courtship period together, meaning she's not fighting the circumstance of Leah going first, even if it upsets her. She's putting the we before the me. And so this is sort of a, an important concept. Effectively, growing up in the 80s, I grew up in the me generation. But as the world continues to evolve, it does feel very much often like people are very focused on themselves, very self-centered very much self-promotional about all the things that they're doing, putting on a happy face, 
editing out all that's not necessarily good about their lives and focusing very much on the things that they do rather than shining the spotlight on the things that others do around them. But it's still a tricky balance because if you want to be a superstar, how do you become a superstar if the spotlight doesn't shine on you? How do you become a superstar if you are promoting the well-being or the success of others? How do you become number one if at all times you're putting everyone else number one? And aren't there inherent dangers in putting everyone else first and yourself second? The answer to that is yes. But the key is this. The key is that if the main goal is serving others, the concept of servant leadership, then the input is helping yourself be successful and strong and powerful and healthy and mindful and focused. And so your well-being, quote unquote, your needs and the success of your needs become the energy or the ignition or the fuel of what helps other people succeed. It's a flip. So it's not me just for me. It's me for the we. Me helping me get successful, me helping me be healthy, me helping me be mindful and spiritual and soulful and, and all those things and well is in the service of others. It's actually what happens with Joseph. You think about it. He starts out, he has these dreams a couple of weeks ago before his brothers sell him down the river. And he tells them about these dreams. At the heart and soul of those dreams is himself. Joseph is at the heart and soul of his own dreams, understandably. We are most often at the heart and soul of our own dreams. But in sharing those dreams with his siblings and his father, it's a very self-centered approach to life in the world. Egocentric, self-centric, hard to be around. Me first, me only. And so the brothers probably to some degree corrupt the concept of the we by selling him down the river instead of fixing it. But they remove what's called, what they view as the cancer in the relationship and the family to protect the we, the bigger, the bigger picture, the bigger family. What happens to Joseph in Egypt is the idea, I know we're getting a little bit more philosophical than we generally do here, but what happens to Joseph in Egypt is that the dreams are still dreams and they're important to him. And he is interested in fulfilling them. But the shift, and this was triggered to me today by uh, a friend, a local friend named Yigal Marcus, who shared a a thought about this week's portion that I listened to. and, and, And it triggered this sort of line of thinking in my preparation for today is that Joseph has a vision of what those dreams are going to be, and they look a certain way, and they're going to be, he operates on them a certain way. But the reality of it is that it shifts, and that instead of the dream about him being central, the dream about him is not central in the end. It's actually simply just another, albeit important, but another uh, milestone, another milepost, another sign along the journey of the larger collective people. And he is a servant on some level, using this the most appropriate way. He is a vessel and a tool for the bigger picture to happen. The we happens through his me. 
So the we of the family of the nation and the growth and the ultimate you know, story in Egypt and then the redemption and Sinai and, 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 the, and the tablets and the commandments and then coming back to the land, he is a conduit for all that to happen. Instead of being the center of it or the end of it, he's not the end of it. He's a means to the much greater, larger end. And so while the story of the dream stays the same in the dream, the vision of the dream in physical terms stays the same, that is the brothers bowing down, the father coming down, all that other stuff, realize that that's not the end of the story. That's like step two of the story. And then there's much things that, much more things that happen after. And so it's sort of a powerful shift in the mind and the image of what's happening in the story. And Joseph gets it. He totally gets it and totally sees that that's the case, which is perhaps why he ultimately operates in this mode of bringing the family down and preparing them and getting them ready and putting them in a position to succeed and survive in Egypt. So he is, again, sublimating at all points the me for the benefit of the we. And so the question that we have for ourselves in, our, in the way we operate around ourselves in our own lives is how do we do that? How do we create we cultures at, in our work environments and you know, sort of shift away from the me culture in our environments? Or more directly to us personally, if I am a person on a team and then I become the manager and leader of that team, how do I shift my mind from a me mindset on my goals and my success to a we concept on everyone's goals and everyone's success? How do you do that? And so it's, it's really hard. And so if, in the individual case of a person shifting gears, and you see it all the time where people who shift from being a member of the team to the leader of the team, the captain of the team, the manager of the team, they don't succeed. And the reason they don't succeed is because they have no training and no skills for management. And so they default to what they know and what they do best, which is doing the work that they know how to do. And they get into the space of management and they fall apart. And so they need help. And so it's important that if we're in a position to nominate leaders and to promote managers and things like that, that we help them succeed. We don't put them in a position where they ultimately fail. I unfortunately have been in the position of failure uh, multiple times, and I very much look back at one of those failures as an exact example of this. Being moved into a position from you know, one role into this role of management and managing and building and leading a team and having no mentorship and having no training and having no one out there who's going to be looking out for my best interest, who's going to be able to help me uh, see the bigger picture, uh, you know, model behavior for me, mentor, mentor me for it, all those things. And then ultimately at that point, it's too late and you cannot possibly succeed. So those things like happen and we need to prepare those individuals for that success. That's something that's happening in your world right now. You're looking to promote someone. You're looking to bring someone in who's a senior person you must absolutely set them up for success, put the systems in place for them to succeed, create the processes for their success as a manager, especially if they've never managed before. Beyond that, if a person is joining and you want to create a culture of we versus a culture of me, and you see people who have existed or thrived, survived, or failed in cultures of me, me cultures, where it's very much self-focused, people don't share, it's very closed, there's not a lot of creativity, there's certainly not a lot of vulnerability in those places, and not a lot of risk-taking, 
you got to flip that stuff over to get into the Wii space. So the Wii space requires a lot of trust, a lot of communication, massive amounts of buy-in into that kind of a culture. Thinking about the mission with the we in mind and the success of the we of every individual's collective success, really important, and obviously getting the right people. So this is how this works. There's so many things to really go into this topic, and, and perhaps we need, oh, for sure, we need more time to really develop this to the fullest, the fullest way possible. And so when we build that, we have to really operate into the space of doing our best um, to really think that all the way through. And so, it, yes, as much as it is a balance and we have to spend time and give time to ourselves and our own sanity, our own mind, our own growth, our own success, as I said earlier, the context within which we do it helps us live in the space of what's called servant leadership and the ability to succeed both for ourselves and really for other people. Uh, so a great quote, I don't know who said it, I think, you know, but it, it's this, when I is replaced with we, even illness becomes wellness. And so when we really have to pluck out the I, we have to pluck out the me, we have to put in the we into all these different spaces to create, to create that space of success, even with our superstars, even with the people who are the best performing people on our team. Sometimes we have to call them out for being self-centered, self-focused, focused on themselves and not on the others. And so we're playing for, you know, they say the most important is the name on the front of the jersey, not the name on the back of the jersey, right? The name of the team as opposed to the name of the individual. And we have to operate inside the space of what's known as servant leadership. Servant first. There's a lot of literature on this subject, super interesting stuff. And I think Joseph sort of gets into that space here. He is not the ruler and ruling with an iron fist and enslaving his people. He's focused on how do I get the people to succeed? How do I get the people through the famine? How do I get them through these difficult years? He's very much focused on them. How do I help my family move into this environment and get them to be in a space of success and thriving in an environment which they've never really been in, at least not in many, many years? How does that work? And so all of these things are operating in the space of servant leadership. The servant leadership, it's, it's a way of uh, behaving where you're thinking in the longer term. You are highly engaged. You're trying to build massive amounts of trust. You're building very powerful, strong relationships with all the members on the team and you are thinking about them on their needs before you are thinking about yours. And so this is where true great leadership succeeds in servant leadership model. Moses is going to be the ultimate sort of version of this servant leadership idea. Pharaoh is going to be the foil, the polar opposite. And the shift for us whether as an individual, whether as a leader on a team, whether as a, a boss, family person, is the ability to operate in the space of the we as opposed to uh, the me. And so I'll end with the quote like I always do here at Coaching with the Bible. But really, again, think this through. How much and how often am I thinking about me? And how much am I often, and how often am I thinking about we? Where do those two things for, us, for ourselves collide? Where are they, you know, how does that affect me in terms of stress, anxiety, um, in terms of my ability to succeed, my ability to put my own goals first, 
my ability to work and help other people put their goals first, my ability to say yes, my ability to say no in certain circumstances. But I think the truth is, when we think about it ourselves, when are we most satisfied with um, our lives? When are we most content with what's going on around us? Is, is it when we ourselves succeed or is when we're able to help others accomplish. We're able to celebrate the successes and the victories and the wins of those around us. And even to a degree, you know, take a second chair in those moments, not necessarily let anybody know about the role that we played in those things. There's something highly beautiful and sublime about operating in that way. Because here's the quote, when we truly are putting others first, we cannot but feel at peace with ourselves. And so that's the great depth of the me versus we concept. That is the great depth of the idea of we is me and me is we, meshing the two, becoming one. And the idea that we should and could and must try and do our best, really at all points, to try to live to help other people succeed. That is Coaching with the Bible for this week. See you next week as we close out next week the book of Genesis.